Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back, David Grasso, who is the Always great CEO. to be here, Doc. Yep, CEO of TV. Good to have you, man. So we're going to talk about the Donald Trump deportation uh, dynamic, which um, ironically uh, is not that abnormal. He said things like this before, but there's an exacting precision to how they will implement. There's a focus here that has never been, meaning this is likely more than just rhetoric. So I don't want to presume what you know or believe about some of these proclamations that have come out, but I would like to get your sentiment on them, but we can we can then debate the issue if we have disagreement. Yeah, so immigration is always a touchy issue, right? Because immigration is one of those few issues that affects American society permanently. Also, most of us, a lot of us anyway, descend from immigrants. My mom is a refugee and my dad is the grandson of Italian immigrants. So it's an, it, policy literally affects the people who live next door to us. I think high level, we have to figure out what's going on economically in the United States and across the developed world. Birth rates are dropping, as we know you know, many of our friends don't have kids. And if they do, they might have one. And that's not enough to sustain a growing retired population. The Trump administration during its last four years had a very restrictive immigration policy, whether it was accidental or on purpose, um, because a lot of things, you know, ended up being struck down by the courts. So a lot of these proposals, let's start off with that, dog, won't work because of something called the courts. You know, a lot of them are probably not legal. Second, we need a certain level of immigration because our birth rate isn't high enough. And third, we live in an era where inflation is a problem. So if we don't have a growing population, we will continue to have inflation. Immigration keeps down the cost of goods and services because it reduces labor costs. Okay. And lastly, another important point to consider is that really fundamentally, uh, we do have a problem. Our immigration system is broken, and I think that's bipartisan. But we, what we really need to focus on is, number one, figuring out what's going on at the border. And number two, figuring out what to do with the more than 10 million people who live here uh, you know, with undocumented. They don't have legal status in this country. All right, so let me, let me make some proposals to you. Um, we say 10 million people are here undocumented. And culture says the number is over 20 million. The truth is, um, everybody is lying. Nobody actually knows the true number of undocumented individuals inside of the United States. We do know this. We know that overall, um, the workforce of immigrants and, and undocumented immigrants provide more revenue to the United States government than they could ever take away. So yes. you, you can't make an economic argument here. We also understand that based on comparative demographics, undocumented workers commit less crime than yes, any correct. other demographic in the United States of America, comparatively speaking. Once again, so you cannot make the argument successfully with people that understand the numbers. You can trick them and say it, but it doesn't mean it's true. So here's one particular policy proposal if Trump gets back into office. And they floated this idea a long time ago. It's called birthright citizenship. Now, this is a very simple concept. If you're born in America, you're an American citizen. 
That's it. 14th Amendment um, provides that opportunity. It was really created because there was a big debate many, many years ago if black people could ever be citizens in America because our lineage would trace back according to them from Africa. And because of that lineage, we could never be citizens. Well, the 14th Amendment said, "Mm -mm, we're going to make sure anybody who's born on America's soil can have the uh, citizenship applied at that point, regardless of lineage prior. They're going to touch, they're going to overturn birthright citizenship somehow. And according to uh, the person on the inside, basically the way the administration is going to do this is sidestep the law by ordering federal agencies not to issue documents like a social security card or passport to children of non-citizens, according to them. And then the policy, obviously unconstitutional, according to the current um, the current ruling of the Supreme Court, Trump's entourage hopes to have it in place prior to the eventual Supreme Court ruling. Simply meaning that within the time frame it takes for the Supreme Court to make a ruling on this and say, hey, listen, what you're doing is illegal. Uh, they would have done the damage they wanted to do. Now, this is the administration, possible new administration, blatantly saying, we are going to break the law intentionally, understanding that the Supreme Court has to get around to telling us, no, that's wrong. What are your thoughts about that? You know, I don't think it's a good plan. I think I understand the frustration with our immigration system. You know, naturalizing my husband has been a horrible Mm. process. You know, and I think that we can all agree that we have a problem. Purposefully going and supporting unconstitutional measures is not appropriate for any administration. In fact, conservatives typically have a huge problem with liberal administrations doing that. So, you know, just because one side does it doesn't mean that the other side should do it either. I really think we have to admit that we should prioritize dealing with the population who has already been here for many years, has been paying taxes, and people like dreamers, their families, and other people who have significantly contributed to our labor force. Um, Unfortunately, the way things work right now is that someone coming across the border yesterday has basically an easier time getting naturalized in many cases than people like, you know, who were brought here as kids without documents. And I think that needs to change. Also, there's a huge problem in our immigration system. For those who did enter illegally, there is no way for them to adjust their status because it's like a turnstile coming into the United States, right? It's like showing up at Disney World and not going through the entrance. You have to have a legal entry. And that is a huge problem for the 10 plus million people we have here. So I think there is room for bipartisan agreement instead of just this obstructionism, which doesn't benefit anyone. If something is illegal and is going to be found unconstitutional, why do it in the first place? How about we trade more border security, reforming our refugee status issue in exchange for a legal path? to some sort of documentation for people who, quite frankly, are already living among us. That's what I would prioritize. You know, it is quite fascinating to me that the conversation seems to be difficult among people that actually understand policy or allegedly understand policy, right? You make the economic argument, they don't care. You make the argument about individuals living a very productive life. And so at some point, 
David, you have to admit, the reason they want to do this, the reason they want to deport, uh, the reason they want to create concentration camps, basically, has nothing to do with the revenue, the economic dynamic, has nothing to do with resources, has nothing to do with crime. So what's left, dear brother? Why do you think they really want to do this according to the breakdown of the plan we see before us? Well, what, you know, I will answer that question, don't get me wrong. But I think I want to touch on one thing. If you okay. really want to stop undocumented people from working, go after employers. I that's, don't think that's a, a point I've made many times here on this show uh, because the same federal law so makes that the illegal. Law. That's right. That's the right. The law is the law. Enforce the law. We encourage every administration to enforce the law. But why go after regular people who are just seeking a better economic law? Why you do know. you think, brother? Come on, man. You already know why. I want you well, to say it. I think it has a lot to do with white identity politics. We, That's right. You know, uh, Caucasians are worried about becoming a minority. What they don't understand is that, you know, a lot of racial narratives in this country are white, black, right? If you look at me, I'm an ethnic European, right? But I'm Hispanic, right? And there's people who look like you who are Hispanic. And I have cousins who are Chinese who are Hispanic. You have to understand. And by the way, they're changing the census form to include ethnicity or race so that we're in a different category. You have to understand this whole idea that this country is going to become a white minority country is just a bunch of BS. The, the demographics are thing. It's not happening. You have to slice up everyone into little, little pies in order to get where you are. But that is drummed up for support. And unfortunately, a huge part of the conservative movement these days are those white identities. Politics. And I think we have to be honest about it. Yeah. And I will say this, dear brother, based on what you just offered to the show, based on their definition, based on their definition of whiteness. Now, remember, they categorized this, created the category, made themselves at the top of the chain of that category. The definition of whiteness has been changed over time. So, based on their held definition of whiteness, you're a threat to them. And, and others are a threat to them, even though it's only a social construct they made up. That's the issue here. We literally are becoming a nation imploding because of definitions of societal constructs that were created in order to have separation in the first place and show a hierarchy of dominance. So let me go back to something you said that I do agree with um, wholeheartedly, and I've talked about this on the show quite often, and that is, the employer uh, dynamic. Over 90% of undocumented workers come to America for what? Work, right? The same federal law that says it is against the law to work without proper documentation in America. That same federal law, the subsidiary, says, and it's illegal to what? Hire them. But you never see the HR director, the um, job recruiter, the CEO, the COO, they are never arrested at the warehouse or wherever they go to do a, a 600 people being arrested. There's a helicopter in the sky from the local news team. So obviously this was planned, but you never see the people who are in leadership who provide the opportunity, who are the catalyst to the issue. They're not even talked about in the political circles. They're not talked because about in the policy Because you're missing a step there. Okay. These people work for third party companies and it's a huge business, okay? So, you know, in my office building, the people who clean are, are, you know, they're hired by a third party 
okay. so that you know a name you know that's in the stock market doesn't have to employ undocumented people, right? But and farm work is a lot of that. You know, I believe yeah. there's been a lot of documentaries about you know the effect of Mexican labor on our well, agriculture. System. Yeah, yeah. So you know, without those people working hard, we literally wouldn't have salad. So I think we have to be honest about things. And I think the extremism in this argument where, you know, we go from open borders to concentration camps is wildly damaging to everybody. We need to have an honest conversation about the incentives that we're creating for undocumented migration. You know, think about my mom's home country. Almost 5% of the population of Cuba has left in the past three years. So you can imagine just it's a mass exodus, right? And of course, we have a fast track towards documentation because of our involvement in politics. And I would recommend other ethnic groups are as involved in politics as Cubans are because it's been very successful. But the bottom line is we have to examine our system and listen to conservatives when they talk about moral hazard. But at the same time, we have to listen to liberals when they say, hey, why are we persecuting people? Go after employers. And also, these people have been here in many cases 20, 30, 40 years. What, they're paying taxes and suddenly we're going to evict them now? That's not fair. That's not economically smart. And considering our birth rate, that is logistically not very wise. And let me say this, dear brother. And you could go back through our archives. You could find it on YouTube, on Indisputable. We covered a story here. It was a fascinating story. A person who was an ICE agent. This man literally worked for customs. His job was to deport people back to their homeland. Come to find out, he was always undocumented himself. I, I've read about Remember that. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good story. Yeah. It's, it's a hell of a story. Did they say, you know what? You have dedicated decades to this agency. You have been a remarkable uh, friend of this agency and this country. We are going to work things out for you. Hell no. They fired him, um, detained him, okay? And he had to fight and claw just to remain in the United States of America after that kind of service. When I saw that, brother, I said, there is no hope for anyone to make a good faith argument to anybody inside of this government under that kind of hierarchy and ridiculous draconian leadership. Do you not agree? You know, and what's really interesting is here in the United States, Anyone who is anti-immigrant, it's very bizarre to me because most of us, some of us were brought here involuntarily, of course, but most of us, you know, somebody somewhere chose to come here. And back then there were no borders. And yes, when my dad's family from Sicily showed up, they were not white. They had to join the Italian mafia in Chicago in order to survive. So we are forgetting our own history. And when we see those personalities on those channels that are of Irish, Italian descent, It makes my blood boil because a century ago, we were treated poorly. We were not considered white. This this rotating cast of who we have to bully next. And my big concern for Hispanics is that because we've become part of the majority now, or absorbed into general American culture, that we're going to do the same to newer immigrants from Asia or from Africa, et cetera. Because this seems to be like the circle of bullying that every society does. And I think we have to stop somewhere. 
We have to understand that this is a melting pot. It's not an ethno state. It's based on an idea. And also, we're just simply not having enough children. So whether you like it or not, we need people to support our retirement system. If you are a baby boomer and you are looking to depend on Social Security and Medicare, you should be pro-smart immigration. Here's the bottom line. Anytime you start to adopt the narrative of your historic oppressor, it is time for you to look in the mirror, period. Dear brother, it is always a pleasure having you on the program. Um, we'll have you back very soon. Thank you. Tell Great conversation. Thanks, Doc. Yep, tell people how they can follow you. Check out your work. Thanks. So I'm at Grosso Roots, G-R-A-S-S-O-R-O-T-S. I do videos on Instagram. Follow me. All right. Thank you, my friend.